Welcome to Made Out West, B2B podcast following the stories of real-life people and real-life businesses as they tell us how they sell what they do. Our second guest is Nick Cranston, a army officer, tree surgeon, and good all-round family man. Listen in to some of the solutions that he's found to make his business work. So, Nick, thanks very much for coming along to the podcast. Now, you and I have a little bit of back history. You and I both worked together in the military, and then a number of years after that, I worked for you at your tree surgery. I was pretty bad at it. Let's start with um, your business. Tell me a little bit about what you do and your journey to get there. I set up a tree surgery um, company back in 2005, and we do all aspects of uh, of tree surgery, although really we're more of a niche-type company that does pretty specialist stuff for domestic clients, and they tend to be private estates, private houses, big trees dangling over you know, high value properties. So it's quite, it's quite specific. There are other types of businesses like line, power line clearance and so on, but we're very much on that kind of private tree surgery spectrum. Let's unpack a little bit before that, your journey. So you served in the armed forces, then you left and you went into retail. Tell us a little bit about why. I came out of the military, the John Lewis partnership were recruiting heavily for ex-military people to run some of their branches and I joined the Waitrose and ended up in in the King's Road in London and jointly ran the King's Road branch of Waitrose with two or three other people. Really good experience. I did that for about 18 months and then I just got a little bit bored, wasn't sort of mentally challenged enough and then jumped into a frying pan of recruitment in the middle of London in the city. Did that for about 12 months but uh, hard sales is not for me. <laughs> I'm not that type of person. And then our first child was born. And really, that was a time that I knew I was working seriously long hours in this recruitment firm. Ollie was born at that time. And Ollie's our firstborn. I really wanted to see her more than I wanted to work stupidly long hours. So it was a kind of massive mind change or, or yeah, complete change of how I was going to go about work. Therein, my wife was working up in London as a as a consultant teacher, and and I just thought, well, what can I do? My mum's a garden designer, and she's got a business down down this in the southwest in the Bath area. I had a friend of a friend who had set up a tree surgery business in Shaftesbury, Dorset, and I just had a chat with them, and and it just really appealed. So I signed myself up for a course near Bridgewater. That was a year-long course, so learning all about tree surgery, both theory and practical-based. And then during that period, I also worked for another tree, local tree surgeon, just a kind of labour, really, and, and uh, learning the trade. And then come the end of the course, I really had to throw myself in. You know, we had a mortgage, and we had another child that had just been born as well Malin and so I needed to earn some money rather than just be labour for somebody so and that's when I set it up what was the business you set up so it's Acer Tree Surgeons yeah that that was 2005 and then we went limited in I think about 2007 and it's kind of grown from there really so within the tree surgery business um, and with tree surgeons, what's the sort of normal method of doing business? Are you normally all freelancers? It often depends on the size of the business. When you first set up, of course, you're keeping costs really low. But there are quite a lot of freelance climbers about. So these are much more experienced tree surgeons and have and now hire themselves out as soldiers of fortune, effectively. What I did was, because I didn't have the experience myself on the more technical jobs, I'd get in these freelance tree surgeons 
who would be the cl- the main climber, and I'd do all the the client negotiation, all the all the all the stuff on the ground, ensure that everything was sort of tickety boo down there. They get on and do the technical climbing stuff, and then over a period of time, I then learn how to do what they did, and so I did that. And, and at that time, so that time, I didn't really have employees. But then, as you grow, more work comes in. You need that dependence of employees. So, and now we've got eight full timers, and then we still use two part timers who are freelancers, just for a particular special special. Uh, well, for extra climbers, really extra speciality. Although we have climbers ourselves, you get a lot of one what are called one man bands, which are that starting. You know, one guy who runs a business and gets in freelancers and there's a lot of them around and they stay like that. They stay that size. But, you know, I wanted to push on a little bit. And um, and so that's where we're at. So within the roles that you have in your business, when you're starting out and you've got just yourself running it, it must be easier, I guess. You tell me if I'm wrong to um, gain more work just by word of mouth. But then what sort of activities did you move towards to help sort of expand your reach to get people to know more about you how did you how did you start when I was doing recruitment I would I was recruiting marketeers and so I learned a fair bit about marketing direct marketing and so that was really helpful you know I was lucky that my mum's a garden designer in the area so she was giving me a little bit of work from her customers that had trees that needed tree work so that was a good start as well the second thing I was doing was getting around the villages with really nicely done leaflets posting them through big properties properties i knew had you know bits of land and trees getting chatting to people in post offices and little village shops and actually being ex-military helps as well in this area there's a lot of settled brigadiers colonels this that and the other who've all retired bought nice properties and, and are around the villages and one little chat with one person will often lead to another chat with another and suddenly everybody knows about the ex-captain who's running a tree surgery business in the area and wants to have a chat with you because it's pretty unusual for for somebody who is an officer in the army to have set up a trade company effectively. And so, you know, you're able to actually chat with these colonels and brigadiers, which often other people can't get on their same level. And so that really helped. Bit of direct marketing advertising in the local magazines also yellow pages as well at the time which was good and and of course now yellow pages isn't so strong and i had set up a website although back then you know social media and and uh, web presence wasn't as strong i guess as as what it is now and over time that's that's kind of almost led to work in itself you know as we've got a good reputation through those years that just builds work upon work upon work and so probably 75 percent of our work now just comes through recommendations or repeat business through all these customers so the marketing mix then that sort of uh, is attracted to that tiny little 25 percent then we're saying um that's changed then so you're saying you had direct yeah. marketing you used yeah. i mean your business has survived for quite a period of time yeah so what have you seen in the transition from the pre-social media i guess you you're around um, how have you sort of changed your approach then to marketing your company and, and what assets you use and, and how often you do it? The trouble with the direct marketing is it's very time consuming. And so um, I guess that's the first thing to probably fall off. But at the same time, the great thing as the social media bit has, has built and the internet has been more strong, strong, um, stronger for advertising, that's easier to use and it's less time consuming. 
And so there's certainly been a push towards having a decent website and then having that optimized and then pushing stuff out on Instagram and Facebook. But yeah, um, I guess that, and also people also being a bit more savvy on Google searches, search engines, and that's then pulling up our name as well. So often enough, enough, it seems to me that people will know about us, but then they'll double check on check on our website to see how if we're kosher you know if we're a decent company and and not just a, a rogue trader so it's a bit of a backup as well because actually the generation or the the type of people that tend to use us tend to be people who are retired on the whole and who have a disposable income and enough to be able to afford tree work because tree work's not cheap also you need to own a fairly decent sized property to own a fair bit of land in order to have trees so we don't often we work in a luxury end market, really, and not often deviating outside of that. So we need to be able to market to those people, and those people tend to take a word of mouth as a first port of call, I'd say, and then back it up by saying, oh, OK, well, let's check these people out online. That's interesting you were talking about this sort of word of mouth because um, these days people talk about the, the idea of dark social, so people reviewing you without you necessarily being aware of how much they're checking you out and yeah. they're looking at the different assets. So I wondered, um, as times have changed and you've had like more representation online, how often have you thought about sort of actively pursuing your reputation? I mean, do you commission people to do photographs? Do you ever commission people to do video? Have you ever paid for PPC campaigns, paid uh, campaigns on Google or anything like that? Yeah, we've done Google campaigns. How the business is, is set up now is that I brought in two others into the business, Roy and Adam. And Adam um, was incentivized. He lives in Malmesbury, so that's north of the county. I wasn't really interested in building other than around my area. So he's bringing in business from a different area, really, above the M4 corridor. His incentive was to bring that work in now he in order to do that he's continued a google campaign whereas i've i've dropped mine off as we've we're self-sustaining now really with with business so um so he carries on that in terms of website and photos we've had this is probably the third cycle of a website the photos were were really well done by a friend of mine uh, from school um, who's a photographer probably five or six years ago so actually those are being updated as as we speak i don't do a lot of advertising now really it's just it is it's that the business is really very much self-sustaining and 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 it's at a size which is manageable now and probably at a at a stage where it's enough growth although that doesn't sound like a particularly good way of going about business it, it is big enough for us that there are other ways of us being more efficient and making more money and that's through machinery rather and as well as people and so there's different ways of doing the business in a better way because actually what we do is so niche and so technical that you could dilute that skill set to a point where you're not doing your job properly and not doing it to such a high standard and we're trying to be much more uh, of a kind of very personal business that that gives really good customer service and i don't want to dilute that too much and become more of a facilities company i suppose you've chosen then to um, pursue your business down a particular line did it never appeal to you to go to a sort of large utility base and maybe yeah. 
go for yeah, counseling. I did at one point, and I, I think you know that was definitely an option um, to do that. But then um, I like dealing with the customers that we we have, and I think I've realised as I got older and as the business is cresting, um, it keeps me interested. And I think if you go down that kind of bog standard vegetation cutting, let's call it, which isn't really tree surgery, it's not interesting. You know, it's just it's factory work. And that that's not interesting. You know, what we do is very different every day. It's very technical. You really need to think about it. You've got to plan it. And um, it's physically and mentally challenging. And that's kind of what would keep an interest for years. So in terms of the churn within your business, how much churn do you see in your client base? There's a lot of repeat business. So we might not see somebody for three or four years, but we'll see them again. I guess, you know, you do lose the odd customer who decides that you're too expensive because the prices have gone up as opposed to when I first started. And maybe they thought, wow, that's gone up a lot since you, you know, started out. But then a lot has happened in the economy in over over 15 years. So, you know, we do do a bit of commercial um, work and some of that changes probably more often, certainly more often than the domestic lot. The domestic lot are very loyal. You know, you you. I mean, the the thing is, the business is is based on customer service. So if somebody phones me up, I'll very very quickly get them into the diary to go and see them. Once I've seen them, I send them a quote that day. They then often will then phone me back and say, Nick, great, let's just do it. Because it's within their budget. They just go, yeah, that's fine. They're not even getting anybody to compete against. And then you fix a date in the diary. And within a couple of days the itch that they had has been sorted. It's all planned out. They don't have to think about it again. And we turn up because they know us and we go and do the job and we do it well. And then they go away and we go away and they think, well, that's all nice and tidy, brilliant. And then they pay the money. So it's, it's such an easy thing for, to, to use us that they don't really go away. So they, they stay very loyal and we give them as good a customer service as we possibly can. There's really no reason why they would use anybody else. So that that that's why we get where we retain customer, the domestic customers. The commercial's a bit different because it's all very price-based often. And we can't compete with the little guy now because we've got big equipment and bigger bigger overheads. So you obviously don't want to get into a price war where um, you're bidding against small one-man bands um, and you you must have other mid-sized competitors in the area. Do you ever sort of look at their... This is a marketing podcast, so I'm interested to find out when you see competitors adjusting their marketing spend and you can see that maybe there you've got Google ads that are coming out or that their websites have become interactive. Do you, do you sort of keep a mind... That. Yeah, definitely look at the competitors every now and again, and we'll get feedback from customers as well. Those new customers that are coming in, and, and the new customers tend to be from website inquiries or search engines, they'll come in and they'll say, often or not, once we've won the work, if we haven't won the work, we probably haven't, they're not going to speak to us really, because they've already got a relationship going on with that that um, that person. But um, But often when we've won the work... For new business they'll then say yeah well we we liked you because of x y and z and and that might be because the website looks professional you came across really well and i you know part of my job is going to go and see the customer and build up a relationship try and build that straight away and often people buy people i mean it's not often most of the time people buy people and that's what i'm quite good at is is just having a chat with people getting to know them a bit and then building a relationship that i that I'm trying to say, right, you know, use us for forever more, you know, we'll stick by you as you stick by us. 
So relationship-based um, marketing and being, you know, um, able to manage accounts, obviously always been important. It sounds like you're really focusing in on it. Can I try to understand then uh, the idea of marketing attribution? So um, working out which marketing is working. It sounds like word of mouth um, uh, is what you hear about most of your feedback. Yeah. But you also, so, so you actually have physically people say to you, um, you know, we looked at your website, it looks slick. Do, what, yeah. do you get, what sort of comments do you get about the the, the, the uh, assets that you use right now? Yeah, so the, often the, the feedback on the website specifically is about, oh, I can see that there's a bunch of bunch of people there. I can see the people who are working for you. So, so the use of people in pictures and what they're doing seems to be pretty strong. And then the, you've already got a connection because you're seeing Adam on a chainsaw and then you meet Adam when he turns up to do your chainsawing or whatever you need doing, you know. And so that that's pretty good. And I, th- I think people just want to know that they're meeting... You know, they're meeting people that they're going to know and get on with. That's um, one of the strongest things. I think having specialist equipment on there just shows you shows them that you know what you're doing and you, you're probably going to be pretty professional if you've got a very specialist piece of equipment. We've got a crane with a, lo- a, a lorry with a crane on it, but not, you know, you're not going to have any Mickey Mouse outfit turning up with that kind of kit. So that, that gives them a bit of reassurance that you know what you're doing, really, I suppose. So your social assets have started to develop, and I've been following you um, on the socials for a while now. Um, you, you like to every now and again post some of your sort of high octane um, events, which uh, look like is is there is there an element that you you want to sort of capture the the excitement of them, but also you don't want them to appear like too. You don't want like an element of fear where it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Yeah. So I mean, they look exciting, but they don't look like super yeah. dangerous. Controlled excitement, and um, yeah, exactly. And, and often um, people will take the day off to watch us do what we do. You often get people say, oh, well, it's like a circus act, isn't it? You're going up there and onto ropes and harnesses, and you're swinging things down and controlling that over there with a pulley and doing this and sending that that way, but then taking it over there so uh, yeah it's a bit like acrobatics but you know it, it's all controlled and it's in you know that and we do get the oft often you know the odd thing gets broken now and again a fence panel or or something like that. it's gonna happen because you're taking down a big structure uh breakages every now and again not all the time but it does happen and um but also i'd say the other thing about that is it's how you react and how you deal with that situation so we might have broken a nice tile or we might have broken a fence panel as i said and it's what you do then do you, you know if you if you like oh no, this wasn't my fault and it was like that already or whatever then customers not it's not it doesn't rub well but if you go and go out and say right we'll be back in in in, in an hour and send someone out go and buy a fence panel of the, of the same um, spec and put it in for them. How good a service is that? And 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 you can turn a possible customer complaint into a into a real positive outcome where they go, Do you know, even though they broke the fence panel, they went off and got me a fence panel straight away, and then left it all really tidy and put it in for me. That in itself has spread word as well. This uh, industry is 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 quite small. You very quickly get a very bad reputation through and the rogue traders are well known you very quickly build a very good rate and that gets around like wildfire as well so it works both ways 
with regards to sort of now the more sophisticated approach that you're deciding to take, because you're going to use a sort of demand generation uh, structure to uh, get people interested in your business. Why is it the sort of lifestyle, do you think, of outside work that appeals to people? I mean, people are genuinely interested. You say they take a day off work when you turn up. Um, what is it? What do you think is the general appeal of tree surgery and, and the outdoors working life? If you're a stranger to it and perhaps you've been office based or you're you're not an outdoor based worker, that it's it's something different. It's you know you don't see it every day. And then when you start to do some really technical and interesting things with bits of huge bits of wood, and they go, "Wow, how did they do that?" You know that it's the wow factor, I suppose. Yeah. I'm going to put some links into the um, show notes for the show uh, to the various jobs you've worked on. And there is going to be some activity that we're filming um, you doing shortly. So people will be able to have a look at that. But could you describe some of the describe um, some of the more complex procedures that you've been involved with? We've had situations where we've been on hillsides with large properties at the bottom of the hill. And there are trees that are going to fail. You know, they're ill or they're... Um, they've got fungal ingress or they've they're structurally compromised and you've got to get that tree out you know it's 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 imperative that that happens and so you set you can set up zip lines where you're zip lining um big bits of timber down the you know through the through the sky down to um a safe place we've done uh, we've got this truck with a 21 meter crane on it we can we can boom that over and because it's got two arms on it two elbows i suppose you can get round the back of a building or round the side of something and pluck that piece of tree out and lift it and put it over and and back down again. So that's quite interesting. And when you've got really, in fact, tomorrow, uh, we've got some fairly hideously dead ash trees where that are unclimbable. And so we'll be using our cherry picker to um, go up into the sky and then and then operate on those trees using a cherry picker. So there's there's all sorts of things. There's all sorts of Sometimes you can't get machinery into some of the places, particularly in Bath, where it's tight. It's not built for vehicles, an ancient city. And and we'll be working in really tight spots and we'll be using techniques where you've got pulleys and ropes and friction devices in order to, to lower timber down or, or big branches. And so you're using quite a lot of engineering kind of solutions, I suppose, to, in order to get these things down and out. Let's talk a little bit about the future of the business then. So you've got some new partners in, you've got a stable workforce, you've got um, limited churn from customers. What's your ambitions? Where do you see yourself in the sort of next 10, 15? I think we'll continue to, to do what we do. What we'd really like to do, I suppose, is probably win contracts because whilst, yeah, as I say, 75% of our stuff is is private, um, that that 25, sorry, yeah, 25% we'd like to do more contract based things so and also that adds to the value of the business as well by by having contracts very difficult to come by it seems but but that was that's the way we'd like to go we've already put things in place like iso 9001 and various other accreditations um and so it's just building on that um and seeing where that goes i guess well i know you're going to take some creative so i know you're going to take some different turns and experimenting with video and with different types of marketing material if there was one thing that you've done in the last 15 years that you um a, a technique you used which you'd regretted which one would that be do you think what cost money and didn't deliver uh, google's very good google's very good but you can go down some other search engines that aren't so good 
uh, the other thing that actually has hasn't been particularly good in the past, and I'd never do again, is newspapers. Your actual physical newspaper, um, of course, only lasts as long as you want to until you put it into the fireplace. So, so it's not long lasting, isn't it? Have a look at it, and then and then you've gone past that page, and you're on to something else. So it's it's not it doesn't hold as much uh, sticking power, I suppose. If there is anything that excites you now about your business and marketing out there, what sort of most um, uh, sort of brightened your eyes? I like um, particularly social media. Well, social media, Instagram, I really like, and and I'm particularly excited about whole YouTube um, possibilities as well. I think there's 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 definitely uh, more to have have out of that, and we'll explore that a little bit further. Well, Nick, thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure to see you again. So give us an idea of the where we can find your business and where you operate. So the business name is Acer Tree Surgeons. Uh, we operate in the southwest, so that's the Bath, Wiltshire, Somerset area. We're on uh, the internet, acertreesurgeons.co.uk. We've also got a presence on Instagram and Facebook as well. We'll say thank you to Nick Cranston from Acer Tree Surgeon. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, make contact through socials.